Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. So, how long does it take to get the word out? How fast does news actually travel? At the speed of a thought? Man, I hope not. Because <laughs> there's a lot of times I have thoughts <clears throat> and I do try to think before I speak. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so usually, um, Karen's in the children's ministry this morning, but usually she's right over here and she's always giving me that look which means I need to go over here <laughs> and say what I'm going to say because I know she's afraid we're, I'm about to embarrass the family, the church, Jesus. And uh, so sometimes, sometimes I need to kind of hold back, you know, the speed of a thought. Maybe, maybe it's this. You know what? Um, how about the speed of the typing of a text message and then hitting the old send button? Woo! And you can't take it back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had regrets? You typed out that message and then you hit send. And as soon as you hit send, you went, oh, what was I doing? Or you sent it to the wrong person. You sent it to the wrong person. Or how about me? How about me? Maybe, maybe it travels at the, you know, at the speed I type out a text message. I mean to hit send and never do. <clears throat> have you ever done that? Wonder, yeah, they never responded. Then you go back, you think two days later, you think, well, you know what? They never responded. They must be mad at me. Then you go back and you go, oh, gee. <laughs> like, it would have been great if I'd have hit send. I never hit, I never hit send. According to the social media experts out there, the word gets out, get this, in about 30 seconds. Wow, that's fast in our world. And they're just, they're just ain't no going back. Once the word is out, the good news, bad news is whether the news is accurate or inaccurate, it, it spreads like wildfire in no time at all. What happened on the other side of the world, we know almost as soon as it happened. It's not always been this way. Uh, believe it or not, just a few short decades ago, people actually used phones to talk on. Anybody remember, anybody remember those days? Remember when you had the little rotary dial thing, you know, phone that you set on the desk? And then if you were one of the cool families, you had one on the wall. You know, it's almost like when people come to your house, you want to take them by that phone. <laughs> to show them the phone and that you were very prosperous because you had... And, and, and anybody old enough, anybody old enough to remember party lines? I'm looking at somebody going, what? It wasn't to have a party. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't know why they called it multiple parties online. Believe it or not, young folks, back in the day, you could go pick up the phone that was hanging on the wall, take it off the hook, and then you, and you would, if, if you were really careful, don't do it fast because they'll know you're there. I mean, not that I ever did that. I just heard tell other people. And then you ease up, and your, your neighbor would be on the phone. It was so cool. 
and you would learn stuff about your neighbor, and then suddenly, like, you would mess up and laugh or breathe. Who is this? Remember the days? Remember the days of the telephone that was used to actually gossip? I mean, relay information from one person to another. How about this? How many of you remember way back in the day when, when you know, there might have been an early morning news, you might have got the newspaper, but you would go a whole day and not have any clue whatsoever in what was going on in the world. You, you didn't know. And then you would come home and Walter Cronkite, y'all, anybody? Boy, I'm just talking about how some of you young people are looking at me going, who, Walter, who? Um, or maybe Dan Rather, and so they would be these guys on the 6 o'clock news, and they were done. That's the way it was. And you'd go, wow. So there were things happening all over the world that nobody, nobody knew about, and you would never know about until you saw it on the 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock news. Back even further than that, in the days of the New Testament, the word getting out was even more difficult. There were no phones uh, there were no TVs, there were no computers, there was no social media, if you can believe it. How did, they, how did they exist? How did they make it? Communication, believe it or not, happened face-to-face, one person to another. It was verbal. And most of it was verbal because a large uh, part of the population, they couldn't read. And so even, even, if, even if a letter was written, and it would be written, and then it would be given to another person to deliver that letter to wherever that letter was going to go, some, oftentimes somebody would literally have to read that letter to someone, to the person maybe who, who didn't know how to read. I'm just saying that in the days of the New Testament, in the days of the Apostle Paul, news traveled really, really slow. With all that in mind, what's so amazing to me was there was this little church there was this church in Thessalonica, and, and what happened? Let me just, let me just read. I'm going to read this because then I want to argue with myself. What was so amazing about the church in the city of Thessalonica is in that world with no phones and no postal services or social media, the word about their faith, and, and I got that, literally, I got that word. The, the word about their faith got out. And when I read that, <coughs> I thought, the word about their faith, the word about their faith. I thought, that sounds too sterile to me. And please, don't, don't beat me up. You know, don't, don't beat me up. I'm just saying that, that it sounds a little bit sterile to me. It sounds, sounds a little bit cold. It sounds a little bit distant. It sounds more like religion if you just want to know the truth. And that's what I read in commentaries. And somehow in commentaries, commentators, theologians have a way of putting something sometimes that is grammatically correct, that's theologically correct. But yet, when I'm done with it, I look at it, I think, is that really? I mean, is it just about their faith? Because it wasn't just about their faith. These people fell head over heels in love with Jesus. It was about a relationship with Jesus. And the thing of it is, is the word everywhere the Apostle Paul went, like everywhere he went, when he got there, they would be talking about how these people had heard the gospel. The good news is that there was a Savior that died on the cross to save the world. His name was Jesus. He was God's son. And he was perfect in every way. And on the cross, he shed his blood to pay the penalty for their sins. And they would hear that, and then they would hear about the resurrection. Because the dead man can't do you any good. I don't know if y'all know that or not. I'm not scared to slap a 300-pound dead man, are you? Like, walk right, right into the casket. I mean, just pop him. He can't hit you back. That's probably not, that didn't sound good, did it? 
I can see Karen sitting over there right now. A dead man can't hurt you. Lord, help me. These people were head over heels in love with Jesus because he was alive. He was alive. They knew people that witnessed the resurrection. They saw it with their own eyes. Paul would tell his story about hating Jesus and followers of Jesus and not believing in Jesus until one day he heard the voice of Jesus and he was radically changed. And everywhere Paul went, as he would share that story, these people got it. And they were telling everybody. It's awesome. Which, of course, made me ask myself this, the question, what if the word got out about Springwell? What would, what would the word be? What would that word be? What story would be told? I mean, if someone were to post pictures and stories about how we live for Jesus, would it be a really good thing? And so I... It's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you a story. Um, a few weeks ago, there was a guy in the gym, and he came up to me, and he said, man, I'm going to tell you, uh, Sunday, our Sunday school teacher was talking about you and Springwell. So immediately, I got in my stance. Because <laughs> it ain't the first time we've been talked about. You know what I'm talking about by other churches. And most of the time, it's not good news. But here's what he said. He said, you know what? Our Sunday school teacher said, you know what? He talked about Springwell and, and the love that Springwell has for all people. And he really he said, you know what? Springwell has set an example that other churches that we should follow as a church, we should follow their example. And the guy came up to me this past week again and said, you don't believe it, our Sunday school teacher is talking about y'all again. He said, and he keeps talking about the fact that Springwell has this reputation for loving people, all people, unlovable people, lovable people, all people, messed up people. People that don't know they're messed up yet. And then you come to Springwell and we help you understand you're messed up. <laughs> and he said, you have a reputation for loving those people. But let me ask you this. What if the word got out about you? What if it got out about you as an individual, as a person? What, what would the word be? So what if somebody were to go on Facebook this afternoon, what kind of pictures would they show? Would they show you maybe, I don't know, standing in the line at Ingalls and would you have bought somebody's groceries? Would it, would it be that you were in a restaurant and they were down servers and that you were actually up helping maybe pour a beverage instead of complaining because nobody was pouring yours? What would it be? Would your story be drawing people to Jesus or would it be pushing people away from Jesus? Well, these followers of Jesus in the city of Thessalonica fell so deeply in love with Jesus, and they followed him with so much passion that the word got out and it began to spread from city to city in a, in a time where there was no trains, planes, or automobiles. There, there was no social media. There was no telephones. There was no computers. There, there was no way. It was word of mouth. It was one person telling another person who ran to tell another person, and their lives were so radically changed that people said, you won't believe the change in these people. And it's, and it's all because of a man, this man named Jesus. Paul would show up in a new region to do ministry, and the people there were already talking about how the, Thessalonia, the Thessalonians embraced the gospel. 
and how they were living their lives. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to start like at the end of the chapter and work. I'm backwards anyway, you know. So I'm going to work at the end and kind of move my way to the front. Verse 8, he says this, The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, I love this sentence. I can almost see Paul like, almost like we, everywhere we go, like I get there, I don't need to say anything. Like, you people are stealing my thunder, you know? Like, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to a new place together with a new group of people and to tell them my story, the Damascus Road, that whole deal, and that he's alive and that he's real and that he can change your life and there's mercy and there's grace for all people, not just Jews, but for all people. And he says, but when I get there, the word's out. The word's out. Your, your story is already, it's already out and spreading like wildfire. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. And so that's just a little bit of clue. If you can't read Thessalonians, if you've never heard about the second coming of Jesus, some of y'all didn't know there was a first coming, right? You do know there was a first coming, right? <laughs> you got that part. So there was a first coming, but just so you know, and so Jesus came and he died on the cross, but he's coming back again. There's going to be a day when those of us that are followers of Jesus are, are going to be taken up. We don't have to stay here anymore. This is not our home. Hello, y'all out there? So this ain't it. We're living like this is our home. This is not our home, and there's going to be a day when he's going to come and he's going to take us away. Y'all just have to hang with me, and we'll get to maybe week four, and I'll jump into that maybe a little bit more. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I just told you their faith was spreading like wildfire. The word about their love for Jesus, their passion for Jesus, their life, how they were living their lives, it was, they were changed. The word got out so much about their faith that Paul actually wrote two letters. Uh, I would do a series on second uh, Second Thessalonians, but it would be the same as the first. Because there's a lot of repetition. And, and so he was definitely writing these letters to give them some instruction, maybe to pick up on some areas that they were doing really, really well in and encouraging them to, do, to keep on, to keep on the fire line, to keep doing what they were doing. But he was also writing these people going, wow, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Because you're committed and because you're faithful, watch this. This is really important. In the face of opposition and persecution. That's a big deal. I, I don't know if we can understand it. I don't know if we'll ever be able to wrap our brains around it. But their passion for Jesus showed in the midst of some horrible times. So I think it's one thing when you share your faith. That's the churchy way of putting it. When you share your story about what Jesus has done for you. How you can't go through a day, because that's how it happens. I mean, it happens, you don't have to go to a class and learn how to witness. You, you don't have to do that. Why would you do that? Just tell people what God is doing. How did, how did you make it through cancer? How did you make it through that breakup? How did you make it through that job loss? How do you make it through these terrible times and gas is $5 a gallon and and you can't find rice cakes. How do you make it through such times? And I'm able to look at people and say, Jesus. 
It's what gets me through life without rice cakes. I'm just saying. But it's entirely different to do so in the face of opposition and persecution. And, and honestly, opposition, while it can be uncomfortable, is not necessarily persecution. There's a difference. To coexist is one thing. But when people are literally being killed by the opposition, that's a game changer for most people, except for these people. And it wasn't. So as a follower of Jesus, how are you doing getting the word out about your relationship with Jesus? How you doing? Let me get a little more personal in case you're not sure. When was the last time that you had the opportunity to stand face-to-face with another person and actually share with them your story, your faith, how Jesus has radically changed and transformed your life, how he is present with you during the most difficult times of your life. And when they say, how in the world, you say, really, I got nothing but to tell you. It was just Jesus. So when was the last time you did that? When was the last time? And if you can't remember or recall a single time, can I ask you why? Ah, because you struggle thinking that there might be opposition or persecution. Well, that'd be a big old hairy lie. I'm not so sure. And I don't, I don't know, and I am not a doom and gloom preacher. If you, man, I, that's not me at all. But I'll be honest with you, as I pray, as I study, as I, as I look at what's going on in our world, I don't know if things are going to remain the same for us as followers of Jesus. I'm not so sure that there might not come a day, even in our country, where we may not have this freedom. I'm just saying. So what are you afraid of? Maybe it's opposition. You're just afraid that you'll be challenged. People have been saying this for years. I've heard this so many times over the years. Well, I'm afraid somebody will ask me a question I want to have the answer to. And I, I just always smile. I always think there's a, there's a, there's a guy at the gym, and, and, and I, I honestly, I find myself at times, no kidding, because I knew that he kind of challenged another Christian there, kind of put her on the spot, kind of called her ignorant. And so, and so I find myself at times, I'm not kidding, like I'll get on, you know, the elliptical, which is from the pit of hell, I'm just saying. And no wonder he's close by, you know. And so I'm there, and like he'll be nearby. And I honestly, I, I, sometimes I just want to keep looking. Not, not out of meanness, not out of a mean spirit. I'm just saying, man, I wish you would ask me. Because I think it's so easy. I remember looking at a guy who was so supposedly a self-proclaimed atheist years ago, and he wanted to argue with me, and he you know, mentioned Voltaire and others and so forth and so on. I said, listen, dude, let me tell you, I love, I love John 9. I love the blind man. All I know is that Jesus has radically changed me. All I know is that everything I go through, I go through with him. I never go through it alone. That's all I know. And I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your argument is. I just know 
that Jesus makes a difference. Okay, then Paul gets weird. Verse 6, I just think, I think it's weird. Now, those of you, you know, you're probably going to look at this and go, how can you say that? It's the Bible. So I love, the, I love unchurched people because unchurched people give us fresh eyes to, to the Bible, I think. So I read this first statement. Verse 6, Paul says, you became imitators of us. And I read that. You know what I thought? Well, that's a little arrogant. Am I the only one? Now some of you are going, well, now that you mention it. And I thought, it's a little arrogant. And you know what? It's a whole lot wrong. Because, like, don't, hey, aren't we as followers of Jesus? We're, not, we're supposed to hide behind the cross. We're supposed to point people to Jesus, right? And so you might initially read this statement and you think, man, look, whoa, this is wrong. But here's what you have to understand. These people have no concept of who Jesus is. So Paul understood that the only Jesus that they may ever see was him. Guess what? Nothing's really changed. That the only Jesus that someone may ever see will be how you live your life. They'll see him through your eyes, how you live, how you give, how you love. That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Okay, let's finish up verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now don't you feel better? Well, I was kind of worried there for a minute. Yeah, and, and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of what kind of suffering? That's a big deal. And, and really, so I started to study this because I started to read commentaries, and I'll try to read everything that I can. And, and there were several commentators that said, well, it wasn't severe suffering. I thought, really? So I did a word study. And, and you know what the word severe means? It actually means severe. You know what suffering means? It actually means suffering. <laughs> Severe suffering. Hey, I mean, that's what he says, severe suffering. And then get this. He says, and they, you, listen, you welcome this severe suffering with joy from the Holy Spirit. And so people, listen, people in all of these surrounding cities would go, the Jesus thing must be real. Because they're going through severe suffering with joy. Either Jesus is real or they're just weird. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And I think it's really, really important because I don't think we know anything about severe suffering for Jesus. I don't think we know anything about severe suffering for Jesus. Now, are we going to be persecuted for our faith? Are we going to be a persecuted of Christians? No. Not, not compared to these guys. Now, do we go through difficult times? Are we, still, uh, are we still the enemy of Satan? Do we have an enemy? And is, is his name Satan? Does he come after us? And does he plague us with everything and everything imaginable to try to pull us down? Absolutely. Do we face him as the opposition, as the enemy? You better believe it. But as far as, as, as sharing our faith and being persecuted in this country the way they were, we don't have a clue. 
See, when Paul and his ministry buddies arrived in the city of Thessalonica, they, they really came battered and then bruised. And that is not a figurative, they came, no, they, they literally came bruised. And they were weary, beaten down. They had just been stripped, flogged, beaten with rods, and thrown into prison. Why? Because they were sharing the good news of Jesus. That Jesus indeed was the Son of God. That's, that's their only story. That Jesus indeed was the Son of God. That he went to the cross, and on the cross he died. He paid the ultimate penalty. He made the ultimate sacrifice to pay the penalty for all sin for all time. And that on the third day he was raised from the dead. Now that doesn't seem like to me that should be the kind of language that would get somebody stripped, naked, and beaten with rods. And then imprisoned. But it happened. It happened to these guys. And then they were miraculously set free from jail. It, it was, every time I think about that, I still, I have, I have prison in, in my head, I you know I have, man. We went to Perry for years, and I'm sorry. I just that that I go whoa. I I can just see Perry and all those iron doors opening up. Y'all never been to Perry, have you? I didn't think so. Cause you would be going. <gasps> so here's what happened. So so the prison doors were open, and so Paul and Silas they go, Nah, man, we're good. And the jailer's like, What? No, nah, it's not about us. See, it's not, it's not about us. And so they had the opportunity to share the story of Jesus with him and his family. And, and then a revival takes place, and all of them give their lives to Jesus. And then they move on. And for those of you that need the kind of background, you say, would you find that in Thessalonians? No, actually, you have to do a little more studying. So Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40 will give you that background. And then their next stop after, after leaving there was... Thessalonica, and that's Acts 17, verses 1 through 9, for those of you that want to look up this kind of thing. Now, just think, if, you, if it were you, and you had been beaten up, you had been stripped, you had been beaten with rods, and you had been imprisoned, and you decided to move on, if it were me, I think, you know what, I'm going to look for a quiet place to rest, have a little me time, because I deserve it. I'm looking at God saying, man, I need a break, bro. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was faithful. And then, you know what I would do? Then I would do some introspection. I would say, hmm, like I wonder if I could maybe do a little better job in sharing that message. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? I would like want to go back and say, maybe it was me. Maybe I went in there, guns blazing. Maybe I was offensive to people, you know? Like maybe how, how can I? But that's not what Paul did. Paul goes to the city of Thessalonica, and you know what he does? For three weeks in a row, he preaches in the local synagogue. And here's what happens. It's amazing. What happens, there are some Jews that give their lives to Jesus that they actually believe. You know what? Jesus is the promised Messiah. We believe he is the promised Messiah. But there was a whole other group of Greeks, of Gentiles, non-Jewish people that gave their life to Jesus. You know why they did? Because for the first time they went, wow, so you're telling me that it's not just the God of the Jews, but he cares about me too? Yeah. Why does that matter to y'all? Because some of you walked in here today and you looked around and you thought, man, all these church people, they're all church people. They're goody two-shoes. Obviously, you don't know anything about Springwell. <laughs> that, 
Wrong church. There might be some other churches, but wrong church. But you know what? I get it. That's how you would feel. But here's what I want you to know is that the same gospel that applies to us applies to you. It's awesome, isn't it? I think so. And wouldn't you know it? I mean, he goes into Thessalonica with guns blazing, and he's preaching every opportunity that he gets, and he's sharing his story with everybody that he comes in contact with, and yeah, conflict arose in Thessalonica too, mobs incited violence, and, and the Christians in the town, they packed up Paul, they sent him on, and his buddies, and sent him on their way. I guess there just ain't no rest for the weary. And I bet you're thinking, you're probably hearing this, and you think, well, they were professionals, you know, like Paul. <laughs> like he's a, he's a, he's a, he was a, a pastor, you know. He was a church planter, you know. He was a professional for Jesus, for Pete's sake. And those other guys, I mean, they, they came professionals too. And so, you know, they, they were supposed to go through persecution. It was their job to go through persecution. I mean, they, were, they expected to go through persecution. They had just been beaten with rods and thrown in prison, Here's what you need to understand. After Paul and Silas and those guys left, what you need to understand is that these guys continued to share their faith. That's why the word got out. The word was out. You know what? Paul came into town. He preached the gospel. It was awesome. People gave their lives to Jesus, and, and they almost you know, they were ready to beat Paul. They were ready to kill Paul. We shipped him on. We stayed here to stand firm. They still stood for Jesus in the midst of severe persecution. In fact, according to some commentators, they literally were dying for their faith. And I guess that's the real test for faith, is it not? That's the test for what's real and what's fake. What's Sunday and what's Monday? For our crowd, maybe I should have said for what's Friday and Saturday and Sunday. You with me? I learned a long time ago, if you really want to tell who your friends are, how do you know? I'll tell you how I figured it out. Man, I figured out my friends are people who stick with me through anything that I go through. My, my friends are the people who walk in when everybody else walks out. And see, I'm, I'm confident because I feel like I have a, a group of people right now that love me. And when they tell me they got my back, I kind of like it. I kind of think sometimes, I'm, I'm ready to start something. Because <laughs> I got this one on this side, this one on this side, a couple more behind me, bring it on. It's a test for real faith, isn't it? Who are you at work? Who are you at school? Okay, so where do they get the strength and the courage to be such strong followers of Jesus in the face of persecution and get the word out? I am so glad you asked. So let's go all the way back to verse 1. Circle back. So here's what Paul says. Paul, Silas, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ha, notice those next two words. Oh, man, they're awesome. There's more to it than you think. He says, he says, grace 
and peace to you. And in those two simple words, maybe you can find exactly what you've been looking for. I don't think it is that it's by chance, by accident, that the words come in the order that they do. Because I don't think you'll ever have peace until you first have grace. He says, grace and peace to you. And when you find grace, when you understand that you are a sorry, no count, you know you're guilty of sin, and when you can look in the mirror and you recognize that and you know that, and then you understand the cross and what Jesus did for you on the cross and that you know that his blood covers a multitude of sin, all your past, all your present, all your future, you can rest in peace. It's pretty awesome. Then he says this. He says, we thank God for you, for all of you, and continue to mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and the Father, and Father, your work, your work, hmm, your work produced by faith, hang on, your work produced by faith, your labor, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Work is an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word ergon, and, and it refers to your task, the task of life. It, it's, it's what you do. And so, you know, you might be a plumber, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you might, you might be a heat and air guy. I mean, you know, I don't, what, what's your thing? You might be a teacher, whatever your thing. So people will refer to you, that's what you're known for. And what Paul said, what Paul said, the beautiful thing about you guys is what you're known for is, is that you're a follower of Jesus. That's what comes first. It's not that I'm a plumber who happens to be a Christian. It's not that I'm a heat and air guy. Oh, yeah, by the way, that I happen to be a Christian. I'm a, I'm a Christian heat and air guy. It's no, it's no, listen, my faith comes first. That's what comes first. Paul said, listen, boy, how people know you they know you by your love for Jesus. That's how you're known. And then he says, your labor prompted by love. Oh, your labor prompted by love. I think it just says more than we can imagine. So Paul says, he says, the motivation for all your work, it's love. So I was raised in church, and, and I remember when I was, kind of raised in church and it was just my impression I'm not saying that this is what they meant but it's my impression is they had classes on to teach you how to witness and and so you need to be out witnessing you need to be out sharing your faith and and so we kind of beat people over the head with that you know kind of thing and and so it became more of a task and then and then the reward the reward for that was there'll be a reward for you in heaven for every person that you lead to Jesus you get a notch on your Bible and when you get to heaven God says man you're awesome like you had a hundred you're the man. You're the woman. And so your motivation was the, was the reward that you would receive. And here's what Paul said. That's not the way you guys do it. You guys, listen, Jesus, you fell in love with Jesus. And then, so you love the people that Jesus loves. And that's all people. No matter how messed up they are. So you love all people. And the motivation for you loving them, the reason that you're doing what you're doing, spread the gospel, is because you love people. I never took a class in those early years on how to witness. People asked me, how did, man, how, so how did you learn to do that? I said, I don't, I don't know. See, I, I knew, I just, I went, I remember I was cutting grass one Saturday morning, and there was a buddy of mine, and I remember looking at my watch thinking, boy, he probably just got home. 
<clears throat> probably just got home. He's probably going to be crawling in bed in a little bit. And I don't know if he knows Jesus. I led him down the wrong road. I, t- I told him to party. And anyway, that's a long story. And so this is the road I took him down. And, and I left the lawnmower right there. I cut it off. I left it right there. And I told my mom, I said, I'll be back. And, and I went to his house. And sure enough, he was just crawling into bed. He'd been out all night long. And I went and I sat down by this bed. And I said, man, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. What I didn't tell you. It's the story of Jesus. And I, I, didn't, I didn't show up to tell him that he was going to hell. And I was glad. Uh, that's not what I showed up for. I, I showed up out of a loving heart to say, man, I'm sorry. I'm here because I love you. And, and I want you to find what I found in Jesus. And folks, that's how the word got out. That's how it got out. See, they were anchored. They were anchored in Jesus. And no matter what storms came their way, no matter what op- the opposition did, no matter what kind of persecution came their way, they, was able, they were able to remain steady and firm and solid. Why? Because their relationship was anchored in Jesus. So how about you? How you doing? And if the word got out, what would the word be? What would the word be? If somebody were to post pictures this afternoon on Facebook and they were to describe your life, would it be more about your occupation? Or would you walk, do you walk in such a way that everything that you do oozes? You, you can't, he just oozes out. I talk about my family everywhere I go. I know people get sick of it. I can't help it. So when I think about my relationships, when I think about my security, when I think about these things, I have, I have, and I have to talk about them. See, it's the same way with Jesus. I just, it just oozes. You can't help it. Well, how did you, well, it's my relationship with Jesus. Oh, there's got to be more to it than that. No, it's really not. It's just that simple. So if the word got out about you, what would the word be? If you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're not, it's because nobody ever told you the story. Maybe you never had anybody you worked with or live beside or go to school with or see at the gym. Maybe, maybe never in a conversation did anybody just, not out of condemnation, but out of genuine love, just share with you the story of Jesus. See, I want you to know that God's crazy about you, absolutely crazy about you, and he proved it. So God sent his son, Jesus. He was God, wrapped up in the flesh. Wrap your, wrap your brain around that, right? And so Jesus had one purpose when he came to earth, and that purpose was ultimately to go to the cross, and on the cross to shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin, all our sin. You're included. My sin, all, all my past, I have to remind myself of this a lot. I'm covered. And Satan will say, yeah, but you look at you. And I go, get your hands off me. Dude, I'm, I'm covered. So you got to come through the blood of Jesus to get to me. And you ain't going to do that. Jesus shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. He's alive. And he's willing this morning to step into your life if you'll ask him. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one's looking around.
you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a simple prayer. Maybe you'd say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And then just ask him, say, forgive me. I need forgiveness of all my sin. And then just tell him, it's simple, it's not complicated. This, from this day forward, I'm going to be a slave to you. I want to be a follower of you. I want to be sold out to you. And thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his grace. Father, I just want to tell you I love you. I've never gotten over your love for me. Lord, I can honestly say that I don't know where I'd be today without you. Sharing your story, Lord, is easy. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's a joy. Lord, when the word gets out about us, I pray that it will be always a story that points people to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.